0: Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, June 27th. Is Russia increasing cyber attacks against Canada in response to our continued support for Ukraine? We discuss with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa bureau chief and host of the West Block.
1: According to the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, the second federal carbon tax will cost Alberta families $1,157 by 2030. We discuss the July 1st bump and the widespread impact it'll have with Franco Terrazano, federal director of the CTF.
0: What is behind the rise of anti-LGBTQ plus rhetoric and attacks on the trans and drag communities? We discuss how to tackle the divisiveness with Dr. Christopher Wells, Professor of Child and Youth Care at McEwen University.
1: Is Canada being targeted by Russian hackers? It's an ongoing conversation for sure. And joining us to talk about the latest episode of the West Block in the state of Canadian cybersecurity is Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Hi, Mercedes. Hey, how are you? Excellent. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Good. I know you had our former mayor on the show as well, so we'll talk about him coming up in a minute, but let's stick to cybersecurity. To first begin, increased cybersecurity attacks from Russia against Canada. Is it impacting our infrastructure? Are we just hearing more about it now than ever before? And it's been going on for time.
2: Well, it has been going on for quite some time, but what Sammy was saying about the scope and the frequency of the attacks was really remarkable. It's basically hourly. It's all day, every day. It's attacks on government infrastructure. It's attacks on critical infrastructure. Much of why by the way, is privately held, right? Because you're talking about things like banks or telecommunication companies, um, and they're looking for ways to disrupt it. So this is constant. He says it's coming from... Um, sort of three sources, the state actors who are people like Russia and China, those affiliated with the states um, that are, are are providing this so russia affiliated or Chinese affiliated hackers that have been hired. And then there's the ransomware hackers who don't really have any ideology other than that they want money, and that's what they're hacking for. And he says, in particular, those last ones are a significant risk to Canadian oil and gas because of not just their ability to hack into sort of the the systems that would control it and and, um, steal emails or steal trade secrets, but because everything's cyber-controlled now to actually, in some cases, shut down the pipelines. Wow,
0: Mm -hmm. incredible. What, what is the federal government doing, and uh, what more can it do to fulfill its cybersecurity promises to protect industry and businesses?
2: So it's interesting because with industry and business, as it stands, they kind of can't make them do anything. Um, and this has been one of the big discussions. They can ask them and say, you know, please take the following steps. We know there are these risks. But at the end of the day, the industry has to want to take them. And and some of these steps are really, really, really expensive. And under the current legislation, they might not be able to tell them why they need to take them. So there's actually a bill languishing in Parliament right now because Parliament, of course, has risen to go home for the summer. And um, it would compel companies to do this. It's controversial because some of the companies say um, agreeing to take on certain security measures without them being disclosed in advance that could cost, you know, millions or billions of dollars in some cases uh, and they're not allowed to talk about them because of secrecy they don't like that Um, and on the other hand you have folks saying yes but right now private companies can't be compelled to do anything and in some cases um, those private companies while they're private people would assume it might be government infrastructure It's, it's things like cell phone you know towers that are the reasons we can make cell phone calls, uh, if all of the banks go down, that's obviously an issue. There's all these sort of questions about this interesting sort of place that isn't government and it is private industry, but there's things that we rely on for our way of life. And at this point, the security regulation around them still seems like it's not complete, and there's been a lot of warnings from experts. Uh, the government and industry need to find a way forward. Uh, Sammy Corey, who's the head of the Canadian Cyber Centre, who we had on the show on uh, Sunday, says he's found that industry has become more open uh, to talking about this and, and moving in a single direction, but it, it's been certainly a flashpoint in the past.
1: On a related note, House of Commons wrapping up for the summer and lots of debate about, you know, the government's response to foreign interference. And liberals say they've accomplished a lot. I know you spoke with Lisa Raitt. I know you also spoke with Nahid Nenshi, our former mayor. So uh, what did they both have to say about this and, and, and what was really done during the last session? so there was some big pieces of legislation moved through for
2: example uh, the budget was a big one the disability bill was another really big one to make sure that people who are disabled get a new benefit so they aren't living uh, as much uh, frequently for those who can't work at the poverty line and below the poverty line Um, and there was big things like dental care for seniors for example right and low-income kids that, that were passed so they certainly got some big things through but they also didn't get some pretty big things through, like, for example, gun legislation. Uh, that was a marquee thing for this government. And then you remember the way that it was sort of delivered by Marco Mancino, uh when they suddenly tacked a bunch of more mm-hmm. long guns onto something that was supposed to be about handguns. The Commons revolted. So they had to go back to the drawing table. They were not able to get that passed. Um, so there's a lot of legislation that the Liberals had assumed they were going to be able to get past this term that they haven't. And the question is now the decisions they make over the summer about when to come back in the fall. They're scheduled to come back sort of mid to end September. That's, that's the norm. Um, but we're expecting there could be, for example, cabinet shuffle this summer to try to hit the reset button. Um, it's possible that they could delay coming back, prorogue the House, introduce the throne speech, try to reset the agenda that way or they may come back on time um with the same cabinet so we'll see what happens it's something to keep a close eye on there, there will definitely be some political developments this summer
0: political developments and I, I know that it seems to be a tradition i don't have any uh, you know letters across my desk or notifications i'm not sure if sue has uh, whether or not uh, prime minister justin trudeau will make it to uh, make his way to the calgary stampede tis the season to get out there and have face time isn't it for a lot of these uh, high-end politicians
2: yeah, absolutely. So a lot of them find in their polling that they don't necessarily do that well when they're in the house. Uh People don't like watching them bicker back and forth. And having people get out and meet has, has two effects. One, if you are... A, Someone like a Justin Trudeau, who has a lot of charismatic ability, um, you can convince people maybe to vote for you who otherwise wouldn't or solidify votes that were on the maybe, just with sort of uh, this personal charm offensive that he puts out. And and some politicians have this and some don't. And it's always fascinating to watch the ones who do. Um, If you're Pierre Polyev, Pierre actually does quite well with meeting people too. And in public, they like to meet him and to talk to them. Uh, But he needs to explain to Canadians sort of what he's about over the summer and what his policies are going to be. Because what we're seeing in the polling is that Canadians are saying they're sick of the Trudeau government. They want change, but they're not willing to actually hand that change to Pierre. So if you're Justin Trudeau, you need to convince them to keep voting for him, even if you're frustrated, you know, hold your nose, stay with the Liberals, and if you are the Conservatives, you need to convince them that things should have happened that haven't, uh, that you have an alternative, um, you have a different way, you have a fresher brand, and and to go after that. And it's interesting, because the government's at the point where it's getting kind of long in the tooth. Eight to ten years is around when Canadians start looking at switching. So it's problematic for Justin Trudeau that Canadians are saying, they're ready for a change in in significant numbers, but it's equally problematic for Mr. Polyev that at this point in a government where it's kind of having scandal after scandal and doddering along and people are getting sick of it, that they still don't <laughs> feel that he's necessarily a choice
3: that they would be willing to hand power to. Yeah.
0: Across the globe, Mercedes, I'm looking at your Twitter, and just a few short days ago you were writing a few thoughts on Russia. You say the decision to heavily arm mercenaries with no accountability and a and a large portion of criminals in the ranks to do your dirty work has risks. It was incredible. As quick as it started, it, it kind of finished up uh, this uh, kind of coup, if you will. Uh, but it's interesting because we are watching history, you know, uh, unveil itself in front of our eyes. Do you get that same feeling?
2: Yeah, it's it, it was surreal. I mean, uh, there's a lot of things I didn't see, think I would see in my life that I've seen, uh, including war in Europe. And, and beyond that, The thought of a coup in Russia was always something people talked about. Do you think it'll happen? And then it started to happen. And then it was over so quickly, despite the fact it was actually moving at pretty significant speed. Now, it hadn't gotten to the point where uh, Mr. Putin was using repeated significant air power against the Wagner Group uh, mercenaries on the ground, which would have been very dangerous for those mercenaries because um, Mr. Putin – Owns the air. And when you're moving in columns on the road, having someone who owns the air and no uh, air defense or air assets yourself, it's very challenging. But nonetheless, Wagner was taking ground incredibly quickly and with very little resistance. So it, it ended before it started almost, but it raises a lot of ongoing problems. Clearly, Vladimir Putin is, is not in the position that he thought he was. It was interesting to watch the reaction of the Russian people um, who were not providing any resistance. And some were angry agree with the Wagner group folks, but largely they were welcoming them in the videos that we saw. And keep in mind, we don't know who these videos are coming from or how they're being released because Vladimir Putin um, jails and kills journalists. So there's not a lot of independent journalists who can run around and run down and verify this. Mm -hmm. These are citizen-taken videos, or so we're told. We have very little way to actually verify the circumstances under which they were taken. Uh, So lots of big questions now for, for Mr. Putin about what happens going forward, whether he can trust the people around him, if this has made those who were dissatisfied with his choice about the war in Ukraine and whom he's losing a lot of money, like the oligarchs, um, are rethinking his leadership. Uh, or if this has just sort of doubled him down even further to continue because he survived this, he now has carte blanche to go after all of his enemies. And it's it's really not clear which way it's going to play out yet, but it'll be uh, very interesting and I suspect potentially very brutal either way.
1: No doubt. Thank you so much for joining us, and hopefully we'll see you at the Calgary Stampede this year. Andy will make I, you pancakes if love you show to. up. I'm
2: going to try. Okay, deal.
1: We'll make you pancakes. So we'll have you here at the show. We'd love to have you live in person. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Take care, Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa bureau chief and host of the West Block.
0: A few short days away to celebrate our nation's birthday, maybe a backyard barbecue with family and friends, July 1st. But also, July 1st, Canadians will be paying even more in carbon taxes. Ugh. That's not a great way to celebrate, is it? Joining us to discuss the impact on Albertans is Franco Terrazano, Federal Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Good morning to you, Franco.
3: Hey, good morning, and thanks so much for having me on today.
0: Absolutely. So we're on the way to that uh, barbecue, maybe you're involved with bringing the buns or the ice, you're gassing up and uh, paying more at the pump. Tell us your thoughts on what's happening on July 1st.
3: Yeah, no kidding. A eh? happy Canada Day. If you're on the way, maybe out to the beach, maybe in Kelowna, going to BC or or just going camping, bad news because the federal government is burying a second carbon tax and fuel regulations that will kick in on July 1. This is not replacing the current carbon tax. It's being added on top of it. And there's also no rebate with this second carbon tax. So it's really going to be the people who are lower income, middle income, average uh, Alberta households who are going to feel the most pain for this. It's going to get more expensive over time and these fuel regulations will be fully implemented in 2030. And at that time, they're going to be adding an extra 17 cents per liter of gas, costing the average household in Alberta about 1,100 bucks a year
1: ouch that's i, I mean if there are so many people who can't afford what's happening now and then throw this yeah. one on and there's you know you're right the the feds have not been really talking about it at all we've known it's been coming for some time but they're just kind of letting this one go under the radar hopefully which it's not
3: well i mean that's what they want they don't want canadians to know this and and the reasons are pretty obvious like everyone is struggling with the rising cost of living. And carbon taxes are a very damaging tax, right? Because not only are you paying more when you gas up or, you know, getting gas in your car, diesel in your truck, but you're also paying more in the carbon tax every time you go to the grocery store. And, and, and it's pretty obvious why. If, if it costs more for farmers to use natural gas or propane to dry that grain, well, then it costs you more to buy the food. If it costs truckers more to fill up their big rig diesels, uh, then it's going to cost you more to buy that food as well. So not only are we paying more every time we go to the pump, but you're also paying more essentially when you purchase anything that is made by a farmer or is delivered by a truck.
0: All right. Well, let's look at, let's look at another avenue, Franco, and that is in alternative approaches or policies that maybe the Canadian taxpayers' federation suggests would be more effective or maybe less financially yeah. burdensome than a second carbon tax. What else could we do?
3: Right. And, you know, the reason that we're all over carbon taxes is because, quite frankly, we see this as a useless tax. It's not helping the environment. It's not just us saying it. The, the government's own independent, nonpartisan budget watchdog, the parliamentary budget officer, came out with its own report and said, quote, Canada's own emissions are not large enough to materially impact climate change. Right. So making it more expensive for someone in Alberta to go to the grocery store to f- uh, fuel up their minivan, isn't actually going to cut emissions in China, in Russia, in India, or in the United States. In fact, more than 75% of countries around the world do not have a national carbon tax. And on July 1, we'll be paying two. Now, what do we have to do? Well, we can't just be thinking about emissions in Canada and Alberta. We have to be thinking about emissions around the world. And, and like, quite frankly, the way we do that is we displace dirtier forms of energy that's being produced and consumed in places like China or India with cleaner forms of energy that can and should be produced right here at home.
1: Okay, Franco, so uh, you've got the reins. In the view of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, what do we do? What steps need to be taken to make life more affordable for Alberta families, particularly while still addressing the environmental concerns?
3: Well, like I said, the environmental concerns, we've got to be able to actually produce resources in Canada sell them around the world. We also use that revenue to pay for hospitals, to fix the roads, to hire more uh, teachers. Now, in terms of affordability, I think it's a (laughs) no-brainer when people can't afford to fuel the cars to go to the cottage, don't have a carbon tax, and don't put in a second carbon tax. So, folks, immediately today, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau could make life a little bit more affordable, and all he has to do is hold a press conference out here in Ottawa and say that he's going to scrap his two carbon taxes. You know, I'm not going to hold my breath But if I had the reins, that's what I'd want to see
0: done. You know, to a certain extent. I mean, you you, you look like a hero. It's just in time for summer. And oddly enough, Franco, July 1 is when I know my kids, for example, off school as of Thursday. Here we go. Summer vacation time.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to some ball games, right? Let's go to the beach. I love it. And not only that, but many other countries around the world have been doing that. Uh, Many of our peers, Australia, cut gas taxes in half. You had Germany cut gas taxes. India specifically cut gas taxes to help uh deal with inflation you had israel you had italy you had the netherlands you had new zealand you had portugal you had south korea you had the united kingdom of course you've seen a number of states you've also seen a number of provinces do the right thing like alberta suspend its gas tax to me it's a no-brainer um unfortunately I, i i don't see the the trudeau government moving on it but that's what they should be doing
1: thank you franco thanks for your time this morning appreciate it always
3: Okay. Have a great day and happy Canada
1: Day. Happy Canada Day to you, too. Franco Terrazzano, Federal Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Let's
0: uh, talk about maybe some further savings. Uh, do what we can. Stretch those dollars. And this is something that we heard was coming. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know a ton about it. And i got to you know, do some dig, deep digging here. The grocery rebate uh, coming, uh, well, as early as, what is it, July 5th?
1: I believe so. That yeah. sounds like when it's going to come down. So CRA saying these grocery rebate payments will coincide with the next scheduled GST slash HST credit payments. So you won't see it as a separate payment. It will be included in that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they do break it down for you as far as uh, how much. It is a one-time thing, right? Yep. If you're single with no children, $234. With one child, 387 two children 467 548 and 628 dollars with four children wow interesting yeah. yeah seniors by the way will be getting uh up to $225 on average
1: i mean anytime. i yes it's our money i oh, know we'll get a tax it's your money you're getting but we are getting <laughs> some of it back so i don't know does that offset the that you know the new carbon tax that's rolling yeah. in no and it doesn't do enough i think for enough people But at least it's something I I think they'd probably be better off and would, you know, garner a whole lot more favor with Canadians as a whole, just scrapping that second uh, carbon tax. And don't worry about the grocery rebate. What's behind the attacks on the trans and drag community of late? Why are we seeing a rise in anti-LGBTQ plus rhetoric? Joining us to talk about it is Dr. Christopher Wells, Associate Professor in the Department of Child and Youth Care, Faculty of Health and Community Studies at McEwen University. Good morning, Dr. Wells. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. Are we seeing it more or is it just that we hear about it more because it's on social media or... is there actually a rise in rhetoric and attacks more so than we've ever seen before?
4: Yeah, absolutely. This is this is very real and uh very concerning and happening on the streets and in the communities uh in Alberta. Even uh the police reported uh, hate crime um across Canada has uh increased over the last 3 years and and um, hate crimes um, targeting uh, based on sexual orientation and gender identity have uh, jumped very significantly.
0: Uh, when we look at the, you know, I guess the, the most out there examples, drag, for example, being targeted, drag is nothing new. Cross-dressing has been part of performance since before Shakespeare. Has public percep- perception changed or is it just a loud vocal minority that we're hearing, Dr. Wells?
4: well I, I think what we're we're seeing we can we can tr- actually trace a lot of this back to global winds of of populism and far right movements, and you know we look at what's been happening in in russia the the last number of years where you know being an lgbtq person is is now a crime, and you can simply be arrested for talking about uh, those issues as though it was some kind of propaganda and uh that that has uh, spread uh you know the target of populism is often the l g b t community where are stereotyped and and scapegoated and and marginalized. And so I think over since Trump was elected, we we saw the rise of the far right. And and we see uh, talk show radio hosts uh, and uh, right-wing politicians conveniently targeting the LGBT community with rolling back legislation and rights. And that dehumanization um, encourages people to uh, protest and
3: attack.
1: You know, that's what I was going to talk about. It felt like we had made such great strides, right? And then in the US, you see the rolling back of so many rights. And it just, it feels like people feel like they are now, it's okay for them to say the things that they think. And, and, and where that sort of mindset comes from is, is kind of shocking and still that people feel the way they do. So, how do we address this rise in rhetoric and, and make sure that we're protecting freedom of expression?
4: Yeah, I think you're very right. Um, hate has become emboldened, and uh, I think social media has a, a large role to play uh, without you know people being held accountable for you know the discriminatory language and the rhetoric they're using. And I think that that hate that we're seeing proliferate online is starting to show up offline on our streets and in our communities. And, and you know, you're seeing it there in Calgary with those protests. Uh, in front of City Hall and schools that are, uh, you know, have gay-straight alliances or LGBT-inclusive, um, you know, events like like Pride, and so uh, you know, I think what what has to happen is we have to stand up loudly and denounce it. Um, I think Calgary has shown great leadership through um, the mayor and city council by passing uh, public uh, uh, places bylaw and allowing safe access to events because a lot about hate is about you know intimidating and silencing vulnerable communities to say, you know, you're not welcome here.
0: This is not a a Canada-specific or Canada-centric issue, is it, Dr. Wells? This this is happening in other parts of the world.
4: Yeah, you know, um, uh, as I mentioned, Russia, Brazil, uh, Poland, Italy, um, United States, You know, there are are now uh, over 600 pieces of anti-LGBTQ legislation in the United States. So it does feel like, uh, you know, uh, particularly, you know, here in Canada, we've made a lot of progress. um, very quickly over the last 40 years from uh, LGBTQ people being considered criminals to the legalization of same-sex marriage. And here, you know, in Al- in Alberta this year in 2023, we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of the Dalwan Breed decision where the Supreme Court of Canada ruled that sexual orientation had to be included in Alberta's Human Rights uh, Act so I think what we're we're sort of seeing is a bit of a backlash to all the progress that we we've made sometimes you know it really feels like we go two steps forward and one step Mm -hmm. backward
1: And, and just so much misinformation out there we just got a text in I'm a moderate and the gay community has gone too far transitioning kids I mean the the fact that that information it, misinformation is out there and that people believe it because they're not checking into what they're reading or hearing about it that's how this keeps you know growing and blowing up into what it's become
4: yeah you know uh deliberate uh misinformation that fuels stereotypes that leads to prejudice and hate right there's a there's a direct connection there and and i think we we see that with uh you know the 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 lack of of resources for media um, where social media becomes the go-to and information isn't fact-checked. And, and you know, we, we saw that even targeting, you know, Hillary Clinton with, you know, Pizzagate and this whole notion of these cabals that rule sort of the world and conspiracy theories. And, and you know, where we're really concerned is about these, these attacks on transgender and gender-diverse youth. You know, the the, the research is very clear there that, you know, Uh, affirming someone's gender improves their mental health and can, uh, you know, save their life. And shouldn't we be doing that for for young, vulnerable children, giving them the supports that they need to be healthy, happy, and contributing members of our community?
0: 100%. Very interesting conversation and super timely. Thank you for your time, Dr. Wells. We appreciate it.
4: Absolutely, and happy Pride Month to everyone uh, out there. Uh, And I think it's really important that allies step up and uh, show their support uh, now more than ever
0: all right uh, that is Dr. Christopher Wells, Associate Professor in the Department of Child and Youth Care Faculty of Health and Community Studies at McEwen University.
1: It is an ongoing issue right, and I think the the big the misinformation is the biggest problem out there, and that's I think a big factor in sort of when people are confused or get this information and, and don't have time to fact check, which let's face it, that's we're immediate, right? We want yeah. information now. We see something and we believe it because it's out there. And I think sometimes when we don't check into it and we just take it as you know the gospel, um, that's where we get into trouble.
0: Yeah. To me, it, it's it's what it gets down to is if 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 something doesn't interest you. Leave it behind. You know what I mean? Like, if this is not your, your jam, you know, if you're not interested in, in taking your kids to a library that has something great, Absolutely. Like, just leave it behind. I mean, there's there's so many things in this world to concern ourselves with, so many things I t- in this so world agree with you. Uh, that can, you know, take up our time. And, you know, you might not be interested in, but other people are. Let's just like.
1: And are there cases of the extreme? Of course there are. It, on all in sides, everything, in yeah. everything, in life. but that's not the reality of the, the you know, the, the gross generalization of reading with royalty programs are just people who are dressed up at the library reading to kids, and kids love to dress up. That's why it works. So have there been extreme examples out there? Sure, there have. That's not the norm.
0: Do you think that they, we always, within society, perhaps need something to stomp our feet about? Yes, we do. and uh, At know, all times. Raise a... Raise yeah. a